Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Man, I got a lot of scripture that I want to get to today. Um, <clears throat> and I want to start out in the book of Revelation. And um, man, I'm so thankful for the worship of God in this house that led us into the presence of God. About three people are thankful, amen. So, so thankful to have Dayon who shared the word and uh, Mark and Emily with us today. So let's go to uh, Revelations um, chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> I have been reading a lot and uh, like always I'm in multiple books and, uh, and so um, I just got a lot of thoughts but <coughs> I want to just feel like I, I, I want to share some prophetic things with you um, out of some prophetic writings that I've been reading and just share with you really what I feel like our role is in, in and, uh, building what we're building, okay? And so some of the things that I've read has helped me put some more clear language to some of the things that were in my heart and just really just talk about our assignment and what I feel like God's doing. Some of that came out while we was hollering and screaming in that moment. But I want to tell you that we as a church cannot miss those moments. You, you're with me now. Those are the moments that you have to engage and take what you need from the Lord in those moments. Are you with me now? It is not a moment that we sit down and we watch others others uh, be engaged and participate in that, that we don't step up and participate in it and, and grab hold of that. Are you with me now? Those moments, those moments really come in for intercession to make decrees. And you've got to decree out of your mouth what you want to see and what you're believing for. Y'all with me? <clears throat> so, in light of everything that's going on in the nation, listen, I understand that to get up here, there's, there's many people with different uh, political views. I, I, I want to set some things up. That I was so dumb when it came to the political arena in 2016 that all I can do is follow God in my own personal place of prayer. You with me? <clears throat> and I really begin at the beginning of 2016, closing of 2015, knowing that 2016 would be an election year, that I really begin to study to show myself approved in that arena. I think that one lie that the church has been into, that the church has no place in politics, that's an absolute lie. We're called to do, we're called to transform the earth. <clears throat> and so there is a mountain called government, and the church of and the church of the living God on the earth must invade that mountain. Now let me say, establish this. That Luke says that you can't enter into a strong man's house. Unless you first bind the strong man. You can't enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless you first bind the strong man. And we've talked about that that is to bind the devil and, and that's, that's a subject for another day. But what that speaks of is leadership and the spoils of leadership that cause corruption and cause heartache on the earth. We will never be able to change the spoils until we begin to remove the leaders. So I am a person that believes in a restorational movement. I believe the best is yet to come. I don't believe that God's finest days have already happened. I believe the best is yet to come. And I preach from that standpoint. 
John 2 says that they were at a wedding of Cana. There was, this was the first miracle recorded of Jesus. There was six water pots. Six is the number of man. These are earthen vessels there that are full of dirty water where people had washed their feet and had washed their hands. And Jesus took the best wine out of that dirty container. That speaks of a transformation that's coming to man in the last days. Come on, somebody. What was once filthy has been turned to darkness, has been turned to light. These people have been transformed, and it's going to change everything. And he saved the best wine for last. So I'm, I'm in that type of deal. I believe that, have you not read where it says that many shall fall away? I believe that has already happened. I believe that happened in the dark ages. And God has been, has been tremendously rebuilding and, 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 and restoring the church over the last 500 years. Where we used to have to wait 100 years to get a tremor in the church, now they're happening more frequently. What does that mean? It means, come on somebody, as a woman gets closer to crowning that baby, they put that tape around her to measure those contractions. And as she's about to give birth and move into the transition, those contractions get more and more. This is where we're at, church. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, you're alive in the greatest day that you could ever be alive. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, the saints she read about in Hebrews 12 are looking under this day saying, my God, I wish I could be a preacher right now in the south today of everything that is happening. I know that the media, the lying media, the false prophet, Jezebel's voice in this nation will come down. God's raising up Jehu's that will throw her down one more time. Come on, somebody. What is that? That is the prophetic anointing of Elijah entering the earth, turning the hearts of the fathers back into the children and the children back into the Father. So I am excited about the day in which I live in. Come on, somebody. Why are you excited, preacher? Because I'm a born-again believer trained, come on, somebody, to reign on the earth with him. That's why I'm excited. My hope is not in Washington, D.C. My hope lies in Yahweh. Come on. So, but let me, let me establish another thing. Well, it doesn't matter, preacher, who's in the White House. Go tell the Jews who endured the Holocaust that it doesn't matter who's in leadership. Go tell Israel. Look at the book of look, look look at Israel's history in the Bible. Don't tell me it doesn't matter who's in leadership. Are you with me? So I want to go from that angle this morning. I'm not afraid of hate mail or anything else. I'm a grown man. You ready? But Lou Engle talked about our state, and one of the things he said is that God reminded him of a movie called The Silence of the Lamb. I live with the conviction the reason why we're in this mess in America is because of the silence of the lambs. As Parsley used to preach, as goes the pulpit, so goes the nation. Y'all don't like that. That's okay. All right. We have absolute truth. Do you believe that, church? And the absolute truth is the Word of God, which we're to position our life. We're not to look to see how we can find a Scripture to match up to our life, but we're to match our life up with the Scripture. So let's read Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> our identity is the ecclesia, not a denomination, not a church, not cornerstonians. But we are the ecclesia. When Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church in the gates of Hades shall not prevail, he didn't say I'm going to create a denomination. <laughs> he didn't say I'd create social media. He said, I will build my church. In the most wicked place, took them a 30-mile journey outside, come on now, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he asked them, who do men say that I am? He said, some say that thou art Elijah, some say that thou art John the Baptist. He said, but who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So the church has never been on defense. We've always been on offense. Come on, y'all. And so that word church there means ecclesia. Now let me say this. I don't believe the identity of the church is Democrats or Republicans. <laughs> it's quiet up in here. Let's read what, I, what, Jesus, what, 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 what 
Revelation chapter 1 says. Verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us, look at this, not Democrats and Republicans, but king and priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So our identity is what? Kings and priests. Let's get in this a little bit. Y'all right? Let's go to the book of Zechariah. Got someone in here getting excited because they said, well, I know he read that book. Let's look at this. I want to talk about kings and priests. I want to talk about Amos 9-11, and we'll finish up with Joel 2-28. You okay? I'll cover the ground quick as possible. Okay? But the main thing is that I communicate what I feel like the Lord is saying to us in this house. Y'all, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things changing. Let's go into, so according to, we've heard this preach, I've heard several messages on the king and priestly anointing. But let's let's look at this out of uh, the book of Zechariah. There is a book that was written around 2015 by Lance Wallnow called God's Chaos Candidate. And I remember reading that book, and some of the things was in that book, and I was thinking, man, I, I, I just don't know about that. But it's amazing how his writings are starting to play out exactly the way they were pinned down in that book, like he had uh, prophetic foreknowledge of, uh, you know, that God was showing him prophetically what we're about to go into. And there's, so he talks a lot about Zerubbabel. He talks a lot about the book of Haggai. He talks a lot about the book of Zechariah and the book of Ezra. You know, in the book of Ezra is where they was rebuilding the temple. I'm just trying to lay a little foundation where we go. Most people know about the exodus that happened in the book of Exodus where Moses led the people out. But that was the first exodus. There is another exodus in the Bible, and that was led by a man by the name of Zerubbabel. He goes back to the Jews that were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and he begins to lead them out of Babylonian exile to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They were rebuilding that temple right in the midst of their enemies and this is exactly what God is doing in the earth today in the first exodus they built a tabernacle which was a foreshadow of the one to come come on somebody but Zerubbabel's temple is all about you being the temple of God know you not that God doesn't dwell in temple made with man's hands come on somebody but you are the temple of the Holy Ghost come on now How in the world could you ever be defeated if the God of heaven and earth is living on the inside of you? And he's unveiling himself in these two anointings inside of your life as king and priest. Priestly, the priestly anointing is where we worship and we move in intercession and we move in praise. Come on, somebody. But the kingly anointing is where we move in his authority, dominion, and it is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom with power. And this is what we're about to see on the earth, friend. There's one thing about it that Chuck Pierce said the other day. There's one thing that has happened now through the last four years that the church has become awake in the nation. Is this not excite you? I'm telling you, if this don't excite you, I don't know what I can give you, friend. Come on, somebody. So maybe it's like my friend always used to say, I didn't come to talk to everybody, but I came to talk to somebody, and somebody's going to grab a hold of this and make a difference in the earth. Come on now. Because here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the bride being awakened to who he is, and we're going to see the religious crowd having, come on, just like in Moses' day, having church where the ark of God is not present. I don't know about you, but we are, we are no different from the Elks Club, the Lions Club, or any other club if the presence of Almighty God don't dwell in here. That is the main thing we need in the church. We don't need more cameras in the church, more programs in the church. We need the presence of Almighty Almighty God and the fire of God back in the church. Come on, that's what changes lives. Can I get an amen up in him? All right. So Zerubbabel's being stirred to move this remnant of Jews out of Babylonian captivity 
back into the land of Jerusalem to begin to rebuild the temple. That's all found in the book of Ezra, in the book of Haggai, and the book of Zechariah. We're going to go to Zechariah chapter chapter three, and we're going to look at where he called, where he where he's prophesying to Joshua the priest, and then he wrote, goes over here to the kingly side and he talks to Zerubbabel. So let's go into uh, um, Zechariah chapter three. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Dayon says we're in a war. Let me just say this. I don't believe that we are to, to constantly be at a place of war, but the, there is warfare in the Bible. And the apostolic calling where Paul said, uh, um, um, our weapons are not carnal but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds when he talks about warfare. That is the apostolic calling. We are to pioneer into new regions. You're not going to get in the seven mountain mandate without no warfare. Okay. All right. But, but we must be seated as sons and daughters in identity of God, in our identity that we wore from a place of rest, at that Psalms 23, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm not talking about a people that is being alarmed and moving in fear. I'm talking about a people that have strong identity, strong faith, strong courage that are standing in that place. When oppositions arise, they realize that God is big. So one of the things to me is one of the greatest apostolic voices uh, to me that of some of his writings that I've read is James Maloney. And one of the things he said, the role of the apostolic is to reveal the Father heart of God to the church. But there's another side of that coin is to reveal the Lordship to the church. He is a Father and He is loving, but He is Yahweh God. Come on, somebody. He is King of kings and Lord of lords and He moves with authority. In the church, we I believe that God is going to highlight, highlight that revelation of authority. So look at this. Then he showed me the enemy was opposing him. Then the Lord, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has, has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. I'm, I'm talking to you from a prophetic standpoint. What we're going to see it happening in the church, it is happening now, but we're fixing to see a massive acceleration of this. All right. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. Notice this. It's not, it, 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 Joshua wasn't cleaning himself up, but God was helping him through relationship clean his life up. Religion tells us you got to clean up outside before you can ever come in. Take a shower outside before you can ever walk into the house. But God in his kingdom says, come the way you are. Walk in intimacy with me. Come on, somebody. And the fire that is ignited on the inside of you will burn out of you and will consume everything that is... It will consume everything that it, he will judge everything that comes against love in your life. All you got to do is walk in with someone. Someone said, well, how am I ever going to get free? Don't never let go of God and you'll walk in freedom. Come on, somebody. Just don't let go. If you fall down, get back up. Come on, somebody. This is, the Bible says the righteous may fall seven times, but he gets back up. Just give up. Don't never give up. And you will walk in everything that God says. God is removing the filthy garments from the church by exposing us to the gospel of grace and exposing us to the gospel of righteousness which is in Christ Jesus we're trading the filthy garments of religion come on somebody of works it is not by works that we have been saved but by grace alone and God is clothing us in the righteousness his very own robe that he gave in Luke 15 that's what's coming on the church then we're not trying to figure it out in our strength how to get free on my own arm of the flesh but I'm trusting in him and his power working inside of me y'all right? I probably need to go run a revival somewhere. So he's removed. Then he then look at what he said. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. This is you right here, friend. Come on, this is you and I. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by him. I love the language of the turban on the head. This speaks of the transformed mind. God has been speaking 
to the church through Bill Johnson and other apostolic leaders and other prophetic people for some time, decades now, about the need of the transformed mind. He talked about his journey at Bethel when he got there, and he said he knew that the first the first uh, uh, inclination, he knew that the transformed mind was happening at Bethel is when someone terminally ill of cancer walked into the church, and the church erupted in praise. They didn't erupt in praise because they thought that person was about to go meet God in eternity. They erupted in praise because they felt like if they made it come on somebody in that environment that God was about to execute judgment on the cancer in that person's body and see them free. I can't tell you enough. Come on, friend. How do you transform your mind? You meditate on the Word. That word meditate is not getting in the corner somewhere, hunkering down, just reading the Bible. It is a, it is a picture of a bulldozer in the forest plowing over trees, cutting new ground in your mind. Come on, somebody. We've got to meditate on the Word. He told Joshua, don't let this book depart from you. Meditate on it morning, meditate on it evening, and meditate on it in the night. And be of good courage, and you will cross this Jordan and lead the people into building the land which I promised. I'm telling you, this speaks of a people and a church with a transformed mind. You with me? I know I'm hollering. I can't leave my Pentecostal heritage for some reason. So listen. So what is the results of a people that are clothed in His righteousness and are clothed with this turban of the transformed mind. What is the result of that? Let's look. Let's read on. You okay? Man, we got a long ways to go. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways. See, what we're watching in the nation is man's wisdom. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, and therein is destruction. What seemed right unto man in 1970, what, three or two, in the early 70s in Dallas, Texas, when they brought Roe versus Wade, they, it seemed right unto man that a woman ought to have a woman ought to have a right over her own body, which what led us into destruction. Come on, y'all. Let's call it what it is. It's child, it's child, abortion is child sacrifice, and it is honoring the God of Moloch in the Old Testament where they offered baby worship. Meanwhile, the church has cried out for revival. God send revival. And God is answering our prayers, church. It always gets quiet on that. If you'll walk in my ways and if you will keep my command, then you shall also, look at this, judge my house. Oh, my God. Well, preacher, I, th- I thought we ain't supposed to walk in any judgment. The Bible says you're going to judge angels. Do what? Y'all right? Then you shall judge my house. Look at this. And likewise have charge of my courts. This is, my God. This is why we have seen the prayer movement arise like we have since the end of the 90s. God is moving people to realize that there is a court above the courts of this land. And that court is the court of heaven. You, 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 I don't know if I'm conveying this to you or not. I don't know if you grab what I'm saying. Listen to this. God is trying to raise up a group of people, a priest. Listen, that I told you, which is intercession and worship before God. We are priests and kings unto the Lord. Is that not what we established in Revelation chapter 1? We're not a bunch of Democrats and Republicans, independents, or any other type of political party. Listen to this. We will never fix the problems in this nation under the political spirit. Jesus warned his disciples, beware of the leaven and beware of the leaven of, 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 the, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. That is the religious and the political spirit. So what we're contending for this morning, I'm not contending for Trump. Come on, somebody. I'm contending for Yahweh to have his way in this nation. I'm contending for the end of abortion. I'm contending for religious liberty. I said this in March to somebody that was in my inner circle. I said they're coming for the church. He said, I just don't believe that. Sean Foyt just went to a park, a public park to worship last night, and he was denied access into that public park to worship. God, don't tell me. If they're trying to silence on social media voices, they're coming for the church. It is time that the church become the line of the tribe of Judah on the earth. Come on, somebody. Biblical Christian, I mean, biblical Christianity is a line. But the church in America looks like a little cat. 
it's time we rise up. I want to show you. Listen, have you ever seen the most timid, shy woman? Put her in Walmart, and she's got her little, she's got her little, um, her little thing in the buggy where they put in the buggy. You know where the kids sit at. She's got that laid down. She's done Clorox to everything, and she's got her child in that buggy right there. And she's turning around trying to look at the different coffee creamers. And she turns back around, and she sees that child gone. I will tell you, a lady that is shy and timid just lost every bit of that and became a fierce mama bear up in that store. This is where the church has got to get. Come on, somebody. Leonard Ravenhill said this in his classic book in 1956, While Revival Tarries. He said, men are hunting mice while lions are devouring our children right in our streets. Have you looked at that? Let me tell you a greater pandemic than COVID-19. It's called... It's called um, uh, child trafficking. Come on, somebody. We're, we're totally unaware to some of the things that are going on in the earth. And meanwhile, the church is more concerned about having good services. I don't, I'm not here to build a great service. I'm not here to install a coffee machine. What I am here to do is to train and equip you to do the work of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. That's what God called me to. God has never called me to raise up pansies. He's called me to raise up giant killers and lion killers. Come on, somebody. That's the call of God on my life, and that's what I will do till he comes. I don't care if that number is 10. I don't care if that number's a thousand. Numbers have never affected me. You can do big two ways. You can put me and Jamie in the room or you can put a bunch of little people in the room. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of a little church that cannot move nothing and we keep burying people and we come up with theology why we have to bear them. It's time that the church moves in biblical Christianity. There was angels, demons, come on somebody, dreams, prophetic utters, trances, all of this was in the New Testament. It did not leave the church. Faith left the church. Come on somebody. It is time that the church rise in faith and get back to what the book of Acts says. Paul was not walking around with Neil Anderson's bondage breaker book, he did not study demons. He studied the Holy Spirit. And when he saw a young girl come on that was bound by the spirit of Python, she spoke truth to them. She said, these men are from the Most High God. He had discernment on his life, and he turned around and said, devil, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her. We have got to have a church that is trained in the prophetic, that is skilled in the gifts. Come on, somebody. I'm talking this morning. Hebrews 5 says them knowing how their sense is trained. It is time we get trained. Do you want to be in this or do you want to be in the crowd that sits in the stands that watch the saints on the field? I want to be in the game moving the ball down the field. I know I'm preaching hard. Somebody said, well, Pastor John, you just got to calm down. I mean, what are you after? I'm after total transformation. Make no mistake of what I'm after. I'm after seeing a nation come to God. Come on, somebody. Don't tell me I've read, I've read the history. Listen, when it comes to the issue of abortion, you heard Matt Lockett say when he was here, they stood on this dream for years, that God says if you don't deal with it in my court, which I've just read about prayer and intercession, you will, I will deal with it in your courts. And God gave them a dream about Appomattox Courthouse that happened on April the 9th, 1865, when the, which was the final blow to the Confederate Army where Robert E. Lee surrendered under Ulysses Grant at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. God said if you won't deal with it in my courts, I will deal with it in your courts. And I'm telling you, we need to deal with it right now, church, and rise up in this hour and Deal with it in the courts of heaven. God is offering a, uh, he is offering an invitation to a group of priests to come and stand in the courts of heaven to make prophetic decrees and to decree what he's saying. My job as a prayer person is not to go in and create some lullabies. It is not to pray for a greater social media account. It is not that it is to stand in the courts of heaven to hear his voice and then recommunicate what he says on the earth. Come on. That is the role of the intercessor. And I'm preaching a far deeper message than just people that want to attend a Sunday school on Sunday morning. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people that will give up their life for him to make a difference in the earth. God, I'm screaming. My Apple Watch is saying, calm down. Your heart rate's too high. If I didn't believe this, I wouldn't stand in the place. Standing in the court of heaven. Boy, this is a whole different deal than you think the way you were taught about prayers. Just, just humbly we come before you to make our requests known. 
That's religiosity. It's not even found in the Bible. The Bible says come boldly before him. Come on, somebody. My children can bust open the door because they know they got favor. Come on, somebody. I don't walk around saying, Lord, would you be with me as I travel home? The Bible says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Come on, somebody. I ain't got to pray these religious prayers at the church. Lord, will you just be with us as we travel and go to the house? God said he would never leave me nor forsake me. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost is inside of me. If somebody's going to get crazy on the road, the Holy Ghost is going to show me they're crazy on the road. Come on, y'all. Listen to this. This is my goal for you, the priest. If you'll walk in my ways and keep my commandments, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge in my courts. God wants to give us charge in the courts. To stand and declare, Father, I declare righteousness over my region. I declare righteousness over my region. I declare God release justice on injustice. Odd, if I don't speed us up, we well, I gotta I gotta let's just go right here. Let's look right here. Let's let's skip up. There's so much in here I gotta go over. I, I'll come back to it, okay? I realize that we don't have, I mean, I probably got like a whole CD's uh uh deal in here right now so I just got to skip over here let's go to Zechariah 4 now the angel of the Lord talked to me and came back and wakened me as a man who is waking out of his sleep this is what's happened this is what's happened over the last four years that began really a few decades ago when we started seeing this awakening come to the church when we saw what at Brownsville we saw what happened in Toronto and half the church could not believe it was God at Toronto because the people of God wasn't laughing, because the people of God was laughing. Because we'd been depressed so long, we couldn't believe there was any joy in the church. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what you feast on. But this man is awakened. What? God has awakened the king. <clears throat> His kingly anointing. God is awakening. Look at this. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes and, and, and and to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Remember, he's leading the charge of the exile out of Babylonian captivity. Out of the world system into the kingdom. Y'all with me, church? This is what God says. It is not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall come become a plain, and he shall bring forth what? The capstone. Look at this. He shall bring forth the capstone, which is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Look at this. With shouts of grace, grace to it. There's a double anointing. Grace, grace. That is the king and priest going in tandem, releasing anointing to make the crooked way straight and the high places level. My God, church, come on. Look at this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, for he has despised, who has despised the day of small beginnings. For this, these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The plumb line was a trifold, was a was a tripod with a string hanging from it with a stone at the bottom which was to keep the whole house in square what is the plumb line that you are working with the word of God the church has realized man we're not going to build this thing and transform society on programs we got to get back come on to the original design 
And the original design was this. When they went to the temple to pray, Peter and John fastened their eyes on the man laid at the gate called Beautiful. says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give up and walk. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. They possess something, church. You and I do. Who is this madman, Renton? Look at this. The capstone is Jesus. The full head of his authority is about to be placed on his body. Y'all ready to see something like this? I'm telling you. I'm telling you this is going to happen. The same line prophet called the media is going to have to turn its camera. Because the Bible says that the knowledge of the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. He's laid the foundation. He's going to bring the capstone. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees? Look at this. At the right of the lampstand and at its left. And I further further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the the receptacles of the two gold pipes for which of the gold and oil drains? Then he answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered, These are the two, look at this word, anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. The anointed ones. Now I'm reading out of this, out of my New King James. And so it's got a little word, it's got a little number right there. And so I pull down to verse 14 and look at what this Greek word means. And it means sons of fresh oil. It also could mean sons of light. The sons of God. And y'all listen, we got a long way to go right here. Let let, let me just clear this up. In this temple that Zerubbabel's building of prophetic intercession, standing in the courts, is one side. That's one side of the olive tree. The other side is the king. Come on, somebody, with the authority and the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. The preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is different than preaching the gospel of salvation. The gospel of salvation is the preaching of the salvation of souls. Jesus did not preach the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is about the salvation of the earth. I live with such great hope when the priests gathered together in the book of Joshua he said for in three days you shall cross this river Jordan the Bible says that they were commanded to stay 2,000 cubits behind the ark that is the ark the Lord Jesus Christ who went before us 2,000 years ago come on y'all and it says as the priests bearing the ark of God as their feet stepped into the river Jordan the Jordan is always a prophetic picture of death at the end of the days come on somebody and Matthew 12 when he talks about harvest he says this in Matthew 12 when he talks about the harvest or in Matthew 13 he talks about the harvest it says that the Jordan always it, it talks about the harvest time but in, when they crossed over it was at harvest time right and the Bible says the river always overflows its banks at harvest so that's a prophetic picture of where this temple is going to be built in chaos and all this shaking and all this quaking he told hey God once one more time I will shake everything that can be shaken come on y'all that is what is happening in the earth that's what you're watching on your TV screen. He is shaking everything that can be shaken. But God said know this, that the silver is mine and the gold is mine. We're fixing to see the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of the world. Come on somebody. And it's coming to the believers who will position themselves to be kingdom cares in the last days. My God, that's enough to get me excited. The Bible says that when their feet, the priest's feet touch the river Jordan at flood stage it says that the river Jordan that the waters was cut off to the Jordan and the Jordan backed up all the way to the great city of Adam God's going all the way back to what he started come on he started it in a garden and he ended it in a garden but when he ended it in the garden with the last Adam before he left he said I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of God whatsoever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven 
Y'all, this is exciting. He said, what in the world are he talking about? Let me break it down in simple terms. Our cities are about to be changed. I watched this on Fox News the other night. Dinesh D'Souza said this. Love him or hate him, I'm just telling you what he said. He said, we're fixing to see a whole new educational system. We're fixing to see a whole new movie and entertainment system. We're fixing to see a whole new medical system. Now, what he thinks that's coming from is the MAGA movement. Well, what it's coming from is the kingdom of God being established on the earth. Y'all, y'all don't believe in this. I'm tell, I, know, I know that I got about five people up in here that probably believes this right here, but I'm telling you, this is what we're about to see. Man, if all the thing if I hoped for was to build a great church in Sparks, Georgia, I'd be a depressed man. I mean, that would be depressing. If this is all the, if this, if this is all God, then don't sign me up for it. But if 24 hour a day worship and intercession and angelic activity and prophetic under, utterance and dreams from heaven. That's what I'm signing up for. Kingdom life. Art. In the first temple, man, time's flying. It flies when you have fun, Trent. In Solomon's temple, the menorah, the, the priest had to pour the oil in the bowls of the menorah to keep it lit. Am I right? The people had to sacrifice and get out and work and, and press the olives to create the oil to go into the menorah in Solomon's temple. But yet notice in, in Zerubbabel's temple, there is no one pouring the oil inside the bowls. For the oil is coming from within the branches. John 15, he is the vine and we are the branch. This is the prophetic come on of the New Testament temple on the earth, walking in communion with him, just drawing up out of him. Come on, somebody, the sap, and I'm just a branch out here that is burning and glowing because it's really not me in here. Come on, somebody. Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ within me. Come on, this king and priest in me is producing the oil. It's only... This is it. This is where we're headed. Now, let's, let, let's make a shift. i got to make a shift and get right here. <clears throat> Let's go to the book of Amos. You all right, Emily? All right. Adam might say, come on, I had to play for an hour and a half. <laughs> Bible says if you grow weary with the footman, how are we going to run with the horses? Come on, you know, you're good. Okay, that way. Look at this. This is 911 hour right here. You call 911 in an emergency, right? This is the 911 hour right here that we're about to read. And this is what God is doing. And I so want to position this church in this direction. And I have tried and I have been pulling on the reins. But I promise you this God is about to turn the jetpacks on in this region. I will say again to the people of faith that those that have faith to believe beyond what your eyes are telling you. Come on now. That God is about to turn the jetpacks on in this region. How do you know that? Through the dreams in which he's shown me. All right. So let's look at this. This is the 911, okay? I've just given you the revelation of kings and priests in a synopsis. There's so much to dig out of that and so much more in the coming days. Maybe I'll write some of this. All right, on that day in the emergency of 9-11, of 9 on that day I'll raise up the tabernacle of David, which is falling down. Notice it was never destroyed, but it's falling down. So what is God building? He's building Zerubbabel's temple. Come on, somebody, which is you, which is you. And he's bringing a restoration back to the temple and to the tabernacle that David had that is falling down. What you got to understand is Mike Bickle was not the first one with the revelation of 24 hours a day of prayer and worship. It was David who had 24 hours a day, seven days a week of prayer and worship. 
In the old covenant, the, the ark of God was put behind a veil where one priest had access to it one time a year. But in David's tabernacle, it was not kept behind the veil. The worshipers became the veil of the ark. Come on, somebody. And the common man could approach the ark. So in this, God says, I will restore the tabernacle of David, which is falling down. Let's, let's complete the verse. And repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Now let me read you this. I wrote this in my journal in June of last year. The most powerful hindrance to heavenly worship being experienced today is the general passivity of your typical congregation. Church, let me say this. The passivityness, the, the, the lethargicness, and the idleness must come out of the church. There's, if there's ever been a day that we need to be vigilant and fully alert, it is in this time and this hour. We cannot afford another day of idleness or sitting on the side. We must become engaged. You cannot approach the worship service. It is the worship team and it is Pastor John's leadership. No, it is time for you to get in the court and the presence of God. Come on. This ain't about Sunday morning worship. This is a lifestyle that we are being invited into. All right. The most powerful hindrance, I'm reading it again, to heavenly worship at Cornerstone is, is the general passivity of its typical congregation. Said, so, my God, he's rebuked the fire out of us. I'm rebuking all of us. Things have got to shift and change, church. Thank you, Sister Catherine, for the beloved amen. The most powerful hindrance to heavenly worship being experienced today is the general passivity of your typical congregation. Many believers have never caught a vision for contending for anything more than a paradigm in which the few on the platform are fully engaged and are proactive while the many in the congregation are splayed into a wide spectrum that ranges from zeal to stupor. When Paul said, be vigilant, be sober, your enemy roams around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If we took the American church into a true battlefield, there would be casualties upon casualties because we're not alert enough to walk in that. I am an avid outdoorsman. I ain't never seen a deer walking through the woods like this. You won't ever see it. I don't care how far you go back in. When you got a corn pile out, a deer will approach it with legs shaking. I don't care if you've never fired around. And our deer are real scared because I can't hit the broad side of a barn anymore. I shot at three nice bucks this year and all we found was hair. <laughs> so when Asher come under the carport on the last one I missed, he said, Mama, Daddy has missed again. He said, I should have went with him where we'd have had the deer. I could have shot him. He's never even shot hardly. I take him out one time, he shoots the gun, hits it dead in the target, he sees the deer, I don't even see it. He says, it's about dark, very low light conditions. He takes the gun, pow, zeroed, I mean, blowed his heart out. And I can't hit the broad side of a barn, so I don't know what's going on. I guess God's trying to teach me humility. But thank God that my boys can shoot them and kill them. But you'll never, see, you'll never see an animal walking haphazardly in the woods. They're very cautious. They're very alert to everything on the surroundings. Listen to this. I want to get into this just for a little bit. I understand where, where we're at in time. If you get done before I do, you're welcome to go. I'm just going to give you a synopsis of this. David's chief worship leader was Asaph. His name means to gather and collect he had the ability to gather the people into the presence of God. What we must understand is there cannot be a breakdown from the stage to the congregation. The stage is leading the procession. We must join in. Church, I'm talking to us. I said we must join in. 
What I'm telling you is we must join in in a greater way. We cannot worship the way we have worshipped in the past. God is changing this. Come on, somebody. God told me when I came here before I ever got here, he told me three things that you to work on. And one of those things was I want you to work on the worship. We must engage with what is happening in the room. We must be aware of what is happening in the room. So when you come in that door, I don't know if you got to do a prayer or what you got to do, but you got to let what's at the house be at the house. This is a conscious decision. The Bible says cast off the garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Come on, y'all. It's a choice. It's a mindset. I'm going to worship God regardless of my circumstances. Come on, somebody. Regardless if I don't feel like it, regardless of what happens, he is worthy of the praise. His chief word, his name means to gather. So this tells me at the tabernacle of David, there's going to be a gathering of worshipers, and God is doing this all across this nation. That's why we see people like Sean Fort that has left the church that are going to parks all across this. He's going right where they were burning down the city in Portland and raising up a standard of worship. Why? Because if God be lifted up, he will draw all people unto him. Church, we cannot, I cannot, I cannot preach it hard enough or tell you the importance of living a life of praise and worship. If the only worship you get is here on Sunday morning, you are very weak and anemic. Come on, somebody. This is a lifestyle I'm preaching. All right. His name means to gather. We Listen, we must be able to gather all the people, the broken, the lonely, the skeptical, the angry, the all above, into the presence of the Lord. Worship breaks down walls. I said worship breaks down walls. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God at midnight. What is a midnight hour? It's the darkest time. Midnight can be at 1030 in the morning when you got a phone call of a loved one in a bad accident. It just hit midnight hour. That's when you worship. Listen to this. David had an order. I'm almost done. I see somebody forgetting stuff. Put up. Ready to go eat. Ready? Anybody got some crackers? I'll take them, though. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Listen to this. All right, you ready? His worship leader, Asaph. David. He had three more people. There was Gad. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally botching this up. Hold on. Let me, l- l- let's look at this verse of Scripture right here. In 1 Chronicles 29. You've got to see this before you leave. I cannot leave this undone. And he stationed the Levites. I'm in 2 uh, Chronicles 29, verse 25. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with symbols and with stringed instruments, and with harps, according to the commandment of David. Gad, yeah, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, for thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. So one of the things we see about this tabernacle of David, they did not just sing songs that was produced on the billboard charts. Now, we, we sing other people's stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not, shout to the Lord is not your revelation of worship. That's Darling Check's revelation of God and she invited us in on that journey to sing it so one of the things that we know about this worship is is it was prophetic in nature we still got we still got a lot of the church where in in our regional area what we're contending for I'm just trying I'm not bashing anything but that just sings just what's on the paper and then closes it down where's the Holy Spirit got room to move well, where has he got room to move? Because you've already planned it out. I've preached for places that wants, wants my, my bullet points and my whole PowerPoint message two weeks before I arrive. I had people in my home last night and they asked, said, what are you talking about in the morning? I said, we'll see. I got a bunch of stuff loaded into the hopper. But I'm going with what I feel like God is saying the morning I'm preaching. 
And I'm not going to be boxed into a corner, and neither am I going to box God into a corner that i got to preach on what I said to your church two weeks ago. If I feel like God spoke to me something different in prayer, I'm going to where His life, well, I'm going to where I feel life on what He's saying. Because if it don't move me, it ain't going to move you. Come on. And I ain't going with nothing born in my head. A sermon that's born in the head will reach the head. But a sermon that's born in the womb will reach the tomb. See, I can quote some Leonard Raven here, boy. You with me? So it was prophetic in nature. And I'm just telling you what we're going to see. Listen, I'm trying to close this down. There, there is so much. I'm t- I can go all day. And I know, I know what it's like to listen to a, to a preaching long time, okay? That the church, we're, we have got to move into this prophetic mantle and, and, and learn about the prophetic. And, and, and th- this is just what's what God's desiring to come on a whole body of people. Because I'm not even going to get here, but in Joel 2.28, he said, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. And a sign of that outpouring of the spirit of God is the prophetic movement on the sons and daughters of dreams and prophecy coming forth. God wants us to be skilled in these gifts, church. Are you with me? He wants our worship to be prophetic in nature. Let's say that we are singing. I listen to a lot of old stuff, and Catherine's like, well, what'd you, what did you start singing that for, you know? Because I just I was on there looking at stuff in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Um, that Let's say this, that we're just singing, and we're just singing in here. Like, where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case, an empty space, if not for grace. And out of that, we start hearing something about the goodness of the Lord and the faithfulness of God. And all of a sudden, somebody on that stage picks up that nugget. Listen to me. And they start running with that nugget. That is the clue to the congregation to get off of Clint Brown's song and on to what God is saying in this moment. Because there's somebody sitting in the midst that needs to hear more than, Where would I be? And now we start moving, whether if it's, Yahweh is faithful, and He's faithful to the end. I just made that up. But if it's what God is saying, it is impregnating the spirit of the person sitting in that room that wants to give up, that feels like they're at the end with no hope, and all of a sudden Yahweh starts strengthening the inner man through the prophetic worship that is going forth. Church, I'm just saying that we got to change up up in here. We look like a bunch of white folk that can't dance and can't sing, and we got to change up in here. We got to get ears to hear and eyes to see. And we got to join in with what's happening. We cannot allow this separation from the stage and the congregation to prevail any longer in this house. Come on, somebody. We have got to hear what he's saying. I appreciate having him flight plan before I get here. Most of the time when I'm alone with God, I sing a lot of old school stuff because I am really old school. You know what I'm saying? Bow down before our God. Worship Him. But what I'm doing is I'm getting my heart tuned at a place where I can start hearing His voice. But once I start hearing Him speak, I move off of that to saying what he's saying. So what are you saying, preacher? This is what I'm going to wrap up right here to bring this to a close. God is going to raise up a kingdom of priests that you're going to see inside the church that know how to do intercession in the courts of heaven. They're not going, their approach to prayer is not going to be this is some religious duty that i got to get down beside the bed. They realize where they stand. I'm standing in the courtroom of heaven. And I'm making righteous decrees on behalf of my people, my family, my nation. Come on, somebody, and the nations of the earth. What you're seeing, the turmoil in America, is not necessarily about America, but it is the nations of the earth that are weighing in the balance. 
Come on, church. Never forget where God established this nation over 200 years ago for the gospel to go forth in this nation. And we're coming back to that foundation. I can tell you right now, the devil is a lie. He's not about to have this nation. Roe v. Wade will not stand in this nation. Religious liberty will ring its bells again. Come on, somebody. The last time I looked, the Statue of Liberty is still come on in the river. And she's still holding the torch of the gospel up high this morning. And she will continue to hold it in this nation. Why? Because the church has realized we have played long enough and it's time for us to gather back up on the hill. It's time to let the discouragement go. Come on, it's time to let the hurt go. It's time to let all that go and realize if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? Strap your boots on, baby. Climb back on the wall and get in the court of heaven and begin to decree a thing and we shall see it established. This is where we're moving. My God, I got great hope this morning. Does anybody got hope in this room this morning? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad you're not a part of some dead religious dried up? Come on, somebody. We are alive in this room, and we are like Esther's. We are born for a time such as this. And I realize my moment, and I will not let it pass me by. Father, I bless this people this morning. Stand to your feet. Just gonna stand here just for a moment. Let this rain over you right here. We're gonna hear tongues again in the house of God. Come on, somebody. Well, you know, we shouldn't speak in tongues, Pastor, because we'll offend those that don't understand it. Come on, somebody. We're not here to fit in. Come on, somebody. We're not here to look pretty, be, be cute. Father, we worship you. We give you the praise, honor, and the glory. And I bless this people this morning. Father, I pray that the same spirit that was released in Zechariah to awaken the heart of that man to begin to build a temple, to begin to lead a people outside of Babylonian captivity, I pray that same spirit would burn over this region. It would brood over this region. You would awaken the heart of leaders. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you would awaken the heart of the preacher. You would awaken the heart of the prophet. You would awaken the heart of the evangelist. You would awaken the heart of the teacher. Come on, somebody. You awaken the heart of the pastor. Come on. You awaken the heart of the prophet. Come on. Don't let our prophets go discouraged. We need to pray for the prophetic. We need to pray for the prophets. Strengthen the prophets right now. God, we ask you to strengthen the prophets. Those that wouldn't cave in, but the decree thus saith the word of God, even against all hope. The Bible says Abraham against hope, yet he believed. Come on, somebody. Calling those things that are not as though they are. So, God, we pray for the prophetic. We pray for the prophets. We stand with the prophets. You said believe in the prophets, and you shall prosper. We believe in thus saith the word of God. We thank you for Isaiah 55, 11. No word from heaven ever lacks power. And what your word is sent out to do, it shall accomplish, and it will not return void. We thank you for the church of the living God, the ecclesia on the earth. We pray over her this morning and we say arise in the name of Jesus. We say arise in the name of Jesus. We say to the church in the south, arise in the name of Jesus. We say to the church in the south, be bold as a lion and harmless as a dove in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that the wisdom of heaven would be released in the name of Jesus. Man, I wish I was with some people that could pray. Father, we pray. We decree it so. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We ask these things. We ask these things, Father. In the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. Come on, let us, come on, come on, let's praise God a moment before we leave this house. <laughs> I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, things are rapidly changing and we're going to see them. You know, one of the things that Jake said, I remember that happening, but there was a teacher that gave, there was a teacher that shared something in the classroom about her child losing hearing in one ear. 
And Asher immediately raised his hand. And he said, he raised his hand to his teacher. And he asked her this question. He says, does my mom and dad know about this? Did he say that, Jake? He said, does my mom and dad know about this? And she said, why? He said, because my mom and daddy pray. Let that be said about our children. Come on, somebody. Let that be said. Come on, church. We got to repent for living a prayerless lifestyle. Come on, I can't tell you how important. I'm not talking about some religious thing. I'm talking about you standing in the courts of heaven for your family. Father, I bless this people right now in the name of the Lord God. I speak the blessing of God over them. I speak the fiery heart of prayer to be upon them in the name of Jesus. I speak hope and courage in the name of Jesus. I pray for an impartation of courage right now. I break off fear right now in the name of the Lord God. Off of this people, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I bless you with revelation in the name of the Lord God. I hear that right now from heaven. God is about to grant revelation to peer into the, I'm telling you, to peer into the unseen realm. I bless you right now with dreams, the dreams of heaven. May it fill your heart. May it fill your mind. Psalm 16 says, Thou thou visitest me in the night season. I'm telling you that God is going to visit us through dreams and revelation. There's going to be businesses started. There's going to be inventions. I'm just telling you, church, there's a lot of things about to happen. We are not, I'm telling you, the, the kingdom of God is moving in might and power. God bless you all. We'll see you here next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.